This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church podcast. For more information about us, who we are, and how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. Today's message is delivered by Pastor Randy Roche. So as we mentioned in the onset of our worship service, we're in a worship series entitled Real Hurt Biblical Help. And so far we looked at uh, the help that God gives in those moments of loneliness. We talked about the help that God gives in those moments of depression. Today we want to talk about shame. And that is something we do not want to find ourselves in, even though we find ourselves there more often than we would like. We want out. Shame is an obvious problem. It's, it's easy for us to be able to see our guilt and feel the shame. And we see it in the Old Testament lesson with Cain who killed his brother and with the woman who's caught in adultery. Shame. Shame on them. But maybe before we talk about shame, maybe we should ask ourselves, how do we get there in the first place? What is it that brings us to the depths of shame? And I think before shame comes pride. It's the prideful me. But we sure know shame when it overpowers us. Nobody has to tell us that we're living in shame. It's known to us first and foremost, then sometimes it's broadcast to others. Shame hits us in the stomach like a punch from a heavyweight champion. It knocks the life out of us. It sucks the life out of us. It moves us to want to crawl into a hole and close the hole over top of us so that we would see nobody and nobody would see us. Shame. Pride can be the precursor to shame. Shame just jumps on us and attacks us. Pride kind of sneaks up on us. It's very stealthy. But we need to understand the difference between healthy pride and harmful pride. So if you have an intelligent teenager, you can have a bumper sticker on your car that says, the proud parent of a local high school honor student. That's okay. That's not a problem. When you start believing that your kid is better than every other kid on the face of the earth, that becomes the harmful thing. It's not wrong to get the promotion at work. You're going to have a pride in that. The problem is when we believe we're better than everybody else, which is why we got that promotion and rightly deserved it, and that becomes a little bit more harmful, more hurtful. It's easy to see shame as a problem. Pride, on the other hand, is often embraced and nurtured to the point it becomes harmful. And this is because pride can become all about me. Putting me above other people. Uh, sometimes even putting me above God. This is what happened in the garden to our first parents, isn't it? God created them and they should have taken a healthy pride in that. They should have said, my goodness, how wonderful it is that God created us and he called us to be the first parents of an entire civilization. 
How wonderful it is that, that God provides for us every day. How wonderful it is that God called us to partner with him in the caring for the garden. Isn't this great that God loves us so much that he wants to have a relationship with us? That's a good, healthy pride. But then we know what happened the day of temptation. When our first parents were tempted to eat the forbidden fruit which God said would bring death, but they were told they would be just like God, and that's what got them, wasn't it? It's not enough to live under God. It's not enough to partner with God. We want to be like God. As a matter of fact, we want to be God. Healthy pride turns into a hurtful pride. And the same can happen to us very easily, especially for those of us who live in these affluent communities. How easy it is. You know, a parent who says to a child, what do you mean you're not going to college? Oh, what would I tell all of my friends? Of course you have to go to college. Look where we live. And we have to drive the right car and park it in the right garage that's connected to the right house, that sits on the right block, that's in the perfect neighborhood, that's part of the wonderful community. And there's nothing wrong with us being able to live like this. The problem comes when we think we are a little better than those who don't live like this. Harmful pride defines itself by how much better we are than others. There's a danger in living this very harmful pride. Uh, the Bible talks about it. In, in, the big one that we probably know best is from Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then suddenly, we find ourselves moving from prideful me to shame on me. Well, it's demonstrated in the scriptures, isn't it? We, we read about it in uh, Genesis chapter 4. Cain. Cain is the firstborn person on the face of the earth. And there should have been a wonderful pride in that, a healthy pride. The first one born on the face of the earth. And then he's got siblings, and he should have had a pride in being able to nurture them, kind of be the leader for them, to guide them and to encourage them. And then we find that he's offering a sacrifice to God, and it isn't really given out of a full, heartfelt first fruits. It's kind of an afterthought sacrifice. Where on the other hand, his brother Abel, the younger brother, offers a sacrifice of first fruits, and God accepts Abel's and rejects Cain's, and now Cain's pride is hurt. And who does he take it out on? His brother Abel. And how sad it is that the first person born on the face of the earth is the first person to take the life of someone on the face of the earth. And he's filled with shame. Move forward a few generations and you'll find King David. Um, he was a, a young, humble boy. He was a, a young son with many brothers. And when the Lord was seeking someone who could move in to be the king, he selected David, the shepherd boy. One that we would never have imagined would be the 
chosen. And he is, and the Lord protects him, and the Lord guards him. And he has a very healthy pride in having been nurtured by the Lord. But once he becomes king, that, that pride turns rather harmful. Even to the point of one day he sees another, another man's wife, and he has an affair with her, and she finds that she's with child. What is David going to do? Well, he devises a couple of plans on how, how we can might get people to think that the child was actually fathered by her husband, but when those plans don't work out well, he resorts to the plan, and her husband was one of the fighting forces in David's army, and he sends word, send him to the front lines, make sure, make sure he doesn't come back alive. And that plan was carried out. And I'm sure David had a, a sigh of relief. Oh, this is great. We, we've got this whole matter taken care of. Now everything looks fine. Until the Lord went to Nathan, the prophet, and said, you confront David. And when David was confronted with his sin, he was crushed by shame. Well, let's move forward into the New Testament. And Jesus is having a meal with his disciples and he shockingly announces to them, one of you will betray me. One of you 12 that's been with me for three years. No, surely not I, rabbi. They ask one after another. And then Peter is the one who steps forward. And Peter actually says, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. You know what happens. He denied knowing Jesus in the midst of Jesus' greatest hour of need, not just once or twice, but three times. And when he's confronted with his guilt, he runs outside the city walls and he wept bitterly, consumed by shame. And it happens today, doesn't it? it happens to politicians, go back one generation and Read about Richard Nixon and Watergate and cover-up. We don't even have to go that far back. All we have to do is look to the state of New York and Governor Andrew Cuomo. Shame. And it befalls our athletes and our actors, musicians, and us. Those of us who make a living in the office or in the factory or in the field or at home. There are those moments, those episodes in our lives where we feel shame. And just thank the Lord that the world isn't seeing it as, as it sees the shame of many others. Think about that. Just, just think about that for a moment. Think about that episode in your life that still sneaks up on you, taps you on the shoulder and says, shame on you. What if that were exposed to the world? John writes, Early in the morning, Jesus came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. And there she is, dragged in, standing in the midst of a crowd of theological leaders and community neighbors, and it's in the temple, no less, and her sinful life 
is exposed to the world. Oh, it's not just a rumor that she's been caught in adultery. They caught her in adultery. There's no getting around this. This is exactly what happens. It's black, it's white, it's there, it's open, it's in front of everybody, and there she stands. Imagine, imagine if we in our shame took her place in that temple in the midst of those people and in the face of Jesus. The truth is, that's where we belong. But the truth is also that our Savior took that place for us. The truth is this, shame on Jesus. I mean, quite literally, Jesus took our guilt and our shame to the cross. Our shame was on Jesus. Now, now guilt says to us, I did something bad. Shame says, I am bad. But Jesus took all that was ours. Jesus took our guilt and Jesus took our shame and he defeated them. The Old Testament book of Deuteronomy in chapter 21, verses 22 and 23, it's this directive. And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, he is put to death and you hang him on a tree. For a hanged man is cursed by God. And Jesus took the curse that was upon us and he suffered our punishment. He suffered our death. Physical death, yes, of course, but also a deeper death, a separation from the heavenly father that was rightly ours for eternity. Jesus suffered that anguish on the cross as well so that we don't have to. And he did it willingly. The writer to the Hebrews says, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He scorned the shame. He looked the shame in the face and said, you have no power over me, nor those who live and believe in me. He silenced the shame by forgiving the sin. So the woman stands before Jesus and before the entire community and she is dripping with shame. She stands in a pool of shame. She would rather be dead. As a matter of fact, she expects that it is coming and coming soon. The law of Moses says such women should be stoned. They are a scourge to the community. And she knows that the pains of the stones will soon take the place of the pain of shame. But maybe, maybe that's okay for her. Maybe she is thinking in her own heart and mind, I would rather be dead right now. But suddenly Jesus intervenes in such a quiet way. He decides that only the perfect people should pick up a stone and assault her. Only the perfect. And realizing that they are not perfect. They leave one by one. The older first. 
until suddenly there's no one left except, except the woman and Jesus, the perfect one, who throws no stones, but announces forgiveness and new life. He says, has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Go, you're forgiven. And, and, and just get out of that lifestyle that brings shame upon you. I've given you a new life, a new start. Did you hear that? I mean, did you hear the real message given to this woman, this woman of shame? The message is forgiveness dispels shame, and brings new life. And I pray that we hear this because Jesus says the exact same thing to us. He has taken away my guilt and my shame. Yours too. He's exchanged our guilt and shame for forgiveness and new life. And so let us with thankful lives hear Jesus tell us to go and sin no more. Go and live a life filled with grace. Because guilt and shame have been defeated. I don't know what shame you've been dragging around. Maybe for days or weeks, maybe even years or decades. I don't know what shame you've been dragging around, but just leave it here. Lighten the load and leave it here. And do what the woman did. Privileged to go and live in grace. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. We'll see you next week, and God bless.